over the last mocha marshmallow covered in bittersweet chocolate, but I got it and didn't split it with him. Matt was stuck with the cherry cordial, syrup oozing down his chubby chin. Even he knew at age four that kind was as disgusting as marzipan. And I knew that Bobby was as smooth as that creamy mocha one. I saved the candy box, lining it with scrap fabric left over from a quilt my mother had been making. In it, I put all my jewelry, my grandfather's engraved pocket watch Grandma had given me after he died, and the precious note I had found hidden under the candy box lid. It was an unsigned valentine, written on a piece of paper ripped from a notebook, part of a math problem scribbled at the top, folded into a small square. On a single blue line in the center, written in pencil, was one sentence. Do you love me? Next to the question were two tiny boxes. I added an X in the yes box. Was it Bobby's handwriting? We had just learned script. What if it wasn't? What if it was Harry Peters, who wore his retainer in school with neon rubber bands on his front teeth slurping his S's? And anyone who sat next to him needed heavy-duty rain gear good enough for the Amazon rainforest? Or worse, Jeremy Wainraff, who smelled like blue cheese from the lotion he applied on his dry reptilian skin? I kept the note in the candy box where I found it. The answer, undelivered so I never discovered for sure who my true secret admirer really was. If it turns out to be Bobby, I will die. I never told anyone, not even Sandy or Gina, and I tell them everything. Now, two and a half years later, I still have this big crush on Bobby that I can't make go away, no matter how hard I try, and trust me, I've tried. Big time. If Daniel and I were still close... I might have stuffed the note in his face. I'd have asked, Is this from your best friend? But I can't. Since Daniel and I stopped being friends, there are images of him I can't get out of my head. Daniel is sitting next to me in the sandbox on our first day of kindergarten. Someone spills sand on me and I begin to cry. Daniel leans over, flicks the grains away from my eyelids with his finger binds a used tissue in the pocket of his overalls, and wipes the tears streaming down my cheeks. I'm impressed, even at five years old. So we become inseparable. We eat lunch together, have play dates, pick each other for teams. By fourth grade, though, the boys begin to tease him about his best friend being a girl, and the last thing Daniel wanted was to be called a sissy. They shouted in the schoolyard, are you getting any? Is she your girlfriend? At the bus stop, they poked each other in the side. Do you do it? I didn't think they even knew what it was. So when Coach told Daniel and Jim, pick someone to be on your soccer team, and Daniel walked straight past me like I didn't even exist, as if I were a bug to be flung off someone's arm, and said, Bobby... Simply because he was a boy, that was the beginning of our end. I cried myself to sleep that night. Who would I take turns with, buying the next number in the mystery series we had been collecting? 
match backpacks with each fall? Who would be my swim buddy at the pool club under the Whitestone Bridge? Who would be honest enough to tell me when my breath smelled like a dog? Or that I had a poppy seed from a bagel stuck in a front tooth? The final picture I have in my mind of Daniel is a few weeks before fifth grade graduation. It's three o'clock. He's surrounded by friends. His long black hair, silken as a raven's wing, tosses in front of his eyes as he zooms past Jack's stationary store on his skateboard. Daniel's whirling, wearing his iPod. The sun is shining, blazing on the pavement. The next day, there were phone calls, parents trying to find out details as the news spread. With more and more calls, the story got gorier and changed from call to call. What happened? Is it true? Is Daniel going to be okay?